Blog Talk Radio. Eighteen forty one, New Orleans. Ground zero for the slave trade. It's auction day, the day every slave fears the most. People in the Americas knew when a ship arrived because they could smell it. A day before it came. There has never been a period in our experience in North America. Every slave fears that we haven't been trying to somehow gain liberation, to get freedom, to get away from the oppressive restrictions on our humanity that this culture has enforced. A day before it came, they could smell it. What has happened over the years is that there have been stages of freedom. You see, when you deprive people of their fundamental humanity, they tend to even lose sight of what true freedom is. When you begin to systematically rob people of their basic contact with reality, then they no longer are very clear about what is real. Under those circumstances, they then know something is wrong, but they aren't exactly sure what it is that is wrong. And because of the uncertainty about what's wrong, we have been trying desperately to get free. People then begin to engage in whatever frantic and frustrated effort they can to break free ever since we've been here of what true freedom is. So they look at the immediate restraint as a means of defining what freedom is. Dark-skinned men are bought for the fields, light-skinned women for the house. Now for most of the time that we've been here, the definition of our like of freedom was fairly tangible. It was very concrete. Buyers demand the most fertile slaves for freedom. Our light-skinned teenage virgins. We had chains on our uh, wrists. We had manacles on our ankles. We had hoops around our necks. We had dogs restricting our movement. There were guns standing at the fence. There were very tangible, concrete limitations on our access to movement of what true freedom is. That made it very clear that. Something is wrong. We have been trying desperately to get free ever since we've been here of what true freedom is. So freedom came to me getting away from the chain, getting away from the manacle, getting away from the limitation, breaking loose from the plantation, outrunning the dogs, outrunning the hunters. Outrunning the bounty, outrunning those people who wanted to keep us in that condition. Get away from the whip. Get away from the oppressor who was clear and evident by his physical existence. We have been trying desperately to get free ever since we've been here. During those of days, what true the Negroes were far and few between. 
because everybody knew they were in hell. All power to the people, all power to the people, black power. This is the People's Black Panther Party Radio, Self-Determination. Our national chairman is Brother Yang Nkrumah, National Director of Operations, Sister Seven Khadija. I'm the National Chief of Staff, Brother War. And, of course, today, as always, on this specific Sunday, we have the Panther 48, Brother E, and Brother Sight. Now, if there's any guests out there listening to us via the Internet, you can dial into the show by calling 323-870-4191. Press 1 to be placed into the queue and join us on the conversation. Now, today's show is called Cream, Cash Rules, Everything Around Me, Part 2, Capitalism, the Enemy, and the Insurrection. Now, so what I want to say with that is, as we continue to unpack on capitalism, I want us to soak on the idea of stimulus. What that means for the individual and if and how stimulus can be used to boost our financial position. But we must first start with the basic of financial discipline and then work towards black empowerment. So let's keep that in mind. But now when we say the enemy and insurrection, think about the past. And by the past, I refer to bringing out a polarization. And y'all hear me say that often. But now we also have to think about bringing out of separation and the operating on fear and diluting of access that once was. This goes into the slogan, make great again. And as you center on that statement, what have you experienced in the past that makes you feel great again? How has that greatness been stripped, and what recent association has been taken from you that you missed, forcing you to blame this removal on others, or could it be an external force opens the key to the specific weaponization that has pulled from your emotional bond and makes you place blame on others? By doing so, you form a relationship with pain and hate that pushes you to seek a vengeance. That vengeance becomes your drive. This drive then has you overcoming your hangups that really are the source of your lack in the first place. But because you have been led to misplace your attention and lost connection with discipline and taking a new relationship with your friend called complacency, you forgot about the reason for the season, and not until hate rekindled your drive did you remember the essence of what made you great again. So this trigger phrase has released a Manturian candidate and snapped you back on the grid of life. Except this time, you are not yourself, but fueled by this takeover uh, of something that never owned, that you never owned in the first place. Hence, black people, what in the hell are you afraid of? Why are you so glossy-eyed and want cash? And what cash ruled over you today that's different than the cash that ruled over you yesterday or the day before? A system that was built from blood and sweat of your labor did not actually pay your black ass. 
You are a stolen legacy. Your culture continues to be taken from you and added back into value by others. So with this said, I want to allow Brother E to jump in and continue with the build and keep in mind the enemy and insurrection. Go ahead, Brother E. Uh, well, you you didn't say nothing for me to argue with, so well, I'm kind of at a loss. I, I like to be the contrarian. Um, I, I, you know, we we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, insofar as you know, enemies and insurrections and this sort of thing, and I like the dichotomy that's drawn between African people and our ability, our misplaced ability, I'm not even sure it's toilet, but how we have put up with all that we put up over these years and not really understanding where that comes from and why that is allowed ourselves to be put through all that we've been put through and have yet to come to the what the European, what these folks are calling an insurrection. These folks came to this point seemingly fairly quickly, you know, particularly in contrast to the amount of time and the things that we've had to go through that we've dealt with over the years. And it, 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 it at least insofar as that, you know, not understanding our Africanity, not understanding that actually a part of our nature to be forgiving, to be loving, to be embracing of, of, of everyone. And that's been played against us. It's been played up. It's been manipulated to the point, you know, not understanding that this good thing about African people is also a negative thing when it's applied in particular ways. You know, we should have had this type of situation going on in mass not the, the, the small things that we've done, but in mass long ago. However, having waited to this point or put up with it to this point, perhaps their time has passed. I mean, let's face it, prior to the 50s and 60s, you know, the, the time period that folks like to talk about, you know, the, the civil rights movement when the push was for what was termed integration, which is better understood as uh, stratification or the uh, a diversification of our oppression. Stokely talked about we were we were integrated into the system from the time we got here. We were integrated in the way horses are integrated into the system uh, of a farm, the way a cow is integrated into the system of, of a farm. We were put in. We were integrated where we were supposed to be. Europeans were integrated into the system where they were supposed to be. So this whole uh, period where we fought for supposed integration was just another step in the process. And that particular step of the process saw us go from essentially a, 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 a drop of, 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 say, I don't know, black ink. Oh, no, no. Yeah, black ink into water. At first it starts out as a globule, as one solid mass. But over time it breaks up and breaks down and begins to stratify. And Malcolm, I think, talked about it in terms of, of um, cream going into coffee or uh, uh, putting chocolate into milk, whatever it is, that color, it, 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 it spreads out, it thins out. And that's essentially what's happened to us. 
prior to that time, even if you had a good job, if you were making good money, and there were those, you know, attorneys, teachers, doctors, and whatnot in the black community, you still lived in the black community. So there was still this, this base level identification of who we are. After the, the, the civil rights era, and we did this whole supposed integration thing, we're, no, we're so diversified, we're so spread out now in our perception of who we even are that there are serious, serious arguments online with sisters and brothers who are quote unquote pure black saying that sisters and brothers who have say a black father and a white mother, I use myself as an example, a black father and a white mother, that we are biracial and not really black. They try trying to identify race as a, a product of DNA as opposed to the social uh, uh, phenomena that it is. Socially, it's just an expression of how completely disjointed from one another we become. And it, I don't know, it, 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 it saddens me a lot. Not, you know, there's a personal aspect, the whole you half-white, blah, blah, blah. I've dealt with that since I was in kindergarten, and I, it, I, it doesn't faze me at all. But what does bother me is that, once again, we argue points that we have absolutely no, no information, having never studied it. Because someone to say that someone who's black, who has a black father and a white mother, that child is not really black, means that Malcolm X was not black. It means that Frederick Douglass and W.E. Du Bois, these were not black men, using that logic. Using that logic, everybody that comes after me in my lineage, all my children, there will never be any black children, no matter how many pure black, quote-unquote, people they, they, they have children with. Those children can't be black. So it's just this complete disconnect from the realities that we deal with, you know, and and – it's that disconnect from reality that is probably our greatest issue at this point. You know, the Europeans, these white folks talking about, uh, if you notice, like all in tandem, all at once, after this, this party they had up in D.C. with all these white folks crashing the, the Capitol and whatnot, immediately all of the media, like in tandem, just at the same time, every article I read after that happened, they all started using the word insurrection. They all started using the word sedition. And those words are intentful. Where at one point there were, you know, uh, extremists, extremists become terrorists, and now terrorists, was it homegrown terrorists or, you know, uh, uh, terrorists from here, whatever, have now become insurrection. And that carries with it legal definitions. So now, not just white organizations that do that sort of thing, but even the people over there, BLM and whatever black organizations, the, 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 the framework is being laid for those organizations to be reeled in and have, you know, a, a, a greater legal issue. And these are the realities that we continue to not see. So, you know, I, 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 I don't know, Sykes, if you want to step in and say something? Um, you know, you keep accusing me of being wordy and whatnot, so I'm going to try to create a vacuum. <laughs> I'm gonna no, try ain't, to ain't, 
This is the full site. This is the platform like, in which you're supposed to be where it is. Oh hell. All right. Let me say this real quick, and I want to I want to just refer back to something I did say. When I said operating on fear and the diluting of access to once was, I want us to draw on the access of a holistic black community, being one that we controlled and are accountable for. Even though we're talking about uh, when I say a black community, a holistic black community, I'm talking about us when we were in segregation. Segregation. The point is, though, is that we were forced to have certain elements intact that we don't have no more. No. Because there you go. We were forced. That you did. I want you to have an argument. Because we were forced. Now, to now I'm argue with you. Good. Because we were Fuck forced that. to be in that position. I refer no. to it as being diluted <laughs> now because we have spread out there. That's what you be needing to. Yeah. And so go I, ahead and I, go I, into that. Good. Because, again, that, dilute, that, that that being diluted, even going into the ink you talked about dropping in the cup, is what we have to deal with. So go ahead, Eve. But what, Use that as a, as but a spring. This, whole idea of, this idea of force is incorrect. For the ink was dropped into the water or whatever it was dropped into, it wasn't forced to be ink. It was simply ink. So even when we were brought here and we were forced to be separated, we had to be forced to be separated. We had to have our head shaved and our clothes stripped and our, our, our denial of our culture and the denial of our expression as, as African people, as human beings, we were forced to not be able to do what came naturally. So us being in black communities was not something that was forced upon us that's something we were doing when they found it, when they came across and started raping it. So we were simply doing what we do. The ability to move around, the ability to express, the ability to, to pursue the totality and all of the potential of our humanness is what we were forced to cut off. So we weren't forced to be in black communities. We naturally have always existed in black communities. Even in, in, in back in Africa, we would branch out and go to other places, to, to, to Europe, to, to China, to the Americas, to wherever. Some of us would stay, but by and large, at the end of the day, we would return home, bring the information or the goods and the, you know, the goodwill and all of that back to, 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 to home because that's where we existed. That's where we always felt comfortable. I mean, to this day, well... I can't speak about the younger generation because they just throw it off. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with them, but <laughs> to the point of me and even even my children, when I've spoken with them, there's a certain sense of comfort, whether we want to own it or not. When we walk into a room, it's a room full of white people. We look around and we see that one black cat over there. There's an acknowledgement. There's a there's a you know until you know Oreo or whatever does what he does and, and fucks it up. But initially, there's a family. That light goes on in the back of our head. We recognize that shit. What is that movie, Get Out? They do with brown all and white folks and, and, and the, the dark skinned brother uh, walked up to mm-hmm. that, the, the, the more uh, mocha colored brother and was like, it's good to see another brother. That's the feeling that we have. We have a, it, it, it's natural for us to, to, to be around, to want to be around. What's not natural is for us to not be able to satiate our curiosity to know about. What's that over there? Who them people over there? Let's go talk to them and make some new friends. That's what we do. We weren't able to do that. We had everything controlled. So it wasn't that we were forced to be in black communities. 
the black communities that we naturally gravitated to were 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 defined uh, geographically, legally, economically, and all of that by somebody else. So, I, but I would agree absolutely that we've become stratified, that we have drifted apart, that we have these chasms between so-called individuals, and it's getting more and more difficult for us to identify. And that's what uh, Brother Umar, Dr. Umar, had mentioned at one point that that we um, uh, 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 this idea of being biracial, you know, is 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 just some more of the verbiage along with, you know, the gender thing and everything else to attempt to divide us. Colorism, brown paper bags, all of that nonsense. And we're, and I guess that's this younger generation, that's their thing. That's the way they're buying into it is this, is this conversation of you ain't really black and just really, and like I said, I've heard it, but I've never known it to be, it's a thing. It's like a real thing now to be, you know, yeah, you ain't really black. I mean, it, 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 you should see some of these conversations that I saw on there, you know, and just just the, the, the inability for us to, well, because we don't have the information, because we don't understand, because we've been exploited, because we've been abused, because we've been uh, detached from who the hell it is we are, we have no idea what it is we're even saying. The fucking words we don't understand the words that we use, the words that are coming out of our mouth, we don't understand them. So, 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 yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I disagree. I think that's misdirected, and you should be ashamed of yourself for saying that. <laughs> I think your disagreement with it goes into the fact that again, what I'm expressing is the delusion. I'm t- the, the the deluding that I'm talking about is the fact that because we were in a condition that basically, I will still use the word force, forced us to not be able to stray outside. Because keep in mind, when we try to expand, kind of going into what you said, that's when, that's when you know, everything came down on us. So we basically held our own communities, held our own existence, held our own environment, and when we diluted, that is when we assimilated. So that assimilation that took place, hence we thought we was fighting for a civil rights struggle or, or quote-unquote equal access, it created an assimilation. Because of that assimilation, that diluting process, trying to undilute and go back to the holistic black community, is where we find ourselves kind of sort of not having any idea or semblance of where to begin. That's why I like to even just go into the concept of insurrection, which is defined as an act or instance of rising in revolt, rebellion, resistance against civil authority or an established government. So when you think about the idea of an insurrection, and going back into that, basically, how would we play that into the black struggle and the black community and that unification that we once had? So my point is to flip the script on that and say that as our blackness, we need to have an insurrection back to what we once had. Again, when you think about, and this is meant to play on people's emotions, 
when you think about making something great again, that should mean something different to black people. That should mean something different to white people. That polarization that was intended did basically draw out white racism. But what it should have also drew out was black people thinking black. What it should have drew out was black people thinking about how is it that we went from one stage to the next stage. That's all I'm saying. Well, but, but there's a presupposition there that black folk have any idea that there was another stage. As far as black right. folk today, are con- this is it. We niggas. You're That's right. it. There, there ain't no nothing for us to go back to. What you going to go back to, boss? We were slaves. We, we, this is what we are. So there's nothing for us to, there's no again. There, there's mad. There's no matter. It's just, you know, make America great. That's it. There is nothing for us to go back to in our minds. I left out the word great. I left out the word America when I said make great again. I left out the word well, America, but yeah. Well, whichever. I mean, <laughs> that, that's not the point, though. The, the point is that white folks that ran with that shit have a concept of what again, you know, what it is we're mm-hmm. going back to. That's what again means is to make whatever Africa great again means to take, make it back, you know, make it what it used to be. We have no concept, number one, that we have anything to do with Africa. As far as most black folks are concerned, we just popped up in slavery, and that's where it is. So there's nothing to do again. And the way that we, in fact, it did do exactly what it is you're saying. And I'll tell you how. For black folks, when you say make America great again, because or what we hear is make America great, because as I said, there's no again. We don't like this whole again. There's some of us who say, oh, you're talking about slavery and going back, and when was it great for black folks? So the only way that they can proceed to make America great is to buy into America that much more. Yeah, let's make America great. No, not again. Let's make America great. So they buy into the shit more. So they buy into the system of exploitation, i.e., psych, capitalism, even more. And so it had the, 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 the double effect for me of doing exactly that. Those neoliberal wannabe, you know, the, the, the apologists and, and, you know, that the, are the on TV and in sports and music, especially, I can stand in some bitches. But the little Waynes of the world <laughs> cling on to this shit to make America great because it's the system, it's the system that they identify with. There's nothing else for them to identify with. So there has to be something else for them to identify to go back to and to make of great outside of the very system, you know, you, you, it's like you're saying it was, uh, 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 America is horrible, we need to jump ship. Go where? That's what Malcolm was talking about. Uh, 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 separate from America, this good white land, where are you going to get a better job than this? Where are you going to eat better food and get better clothes than this? This is all we fucking know. So with that, with have, not having that paradigm and not knowing that there was something prior to you being a nigger, we have nothing to identify with. And until that happens, we're not going to have an insurrection. We're going to have cats doing what they're doing, being pissed off in the street for a few minutes and then going back to work, going back to the expo tech because they can't identify the two together. And that's why, for me, the whole idea of, a, of, of co-op is so makes such sense. Because it does hit at what we talk about a lot is the economics of the situation, but it doesn't stop there. In fact, economics, just like everything else, is a part of the culture. 
and it's a part of the culture. It is shaped by the culture, and it shapes the culture. So as long as we're buying into a system of exploitation, we're going to learn to be exploiters, and we're going to allow ourselves to be exploited. As matter of fact, Psyche made the best argument against capitalism last time we talked. Because capitalism is an outgrowth of the European mindset. I'm talking about what it is right now, again, call it crony, call it whatever. What it is right now is the the mainstream media or the mainstream definition of capitalism. You know, yes, there's no, no pure capitalism because nothing exists as a purity. There's no, no, no pure socialism, African-centered thought. There's no pure anything because as soon as the theory begins to be applied, as soon as it hits the application stage, the theory is, is done. It can't exist in this world tangibly as a theory. So it's automatically going to be different from the theory in some way, form, or fashion. But it being an outgrowth, it being an expression of the European mindset, ownership. You know, white folks have to own shit. Ownership is a result of fear. You have to own shit because you're scared to death that, that, that you're not going to, you know, you're not stable. You're not, you're not safe. You're not, you know, somebody's going to come and get you. You have to own some shit. And then you get paranoid about the shit that you own because somebody's going to try to take it, so you have to get some shit to try to protect the shit that you got to keep somebody from taking it, so they're going to try to take the shit. All of that shit. It's an outgrowth of their mindset, that mindset being the reptilian brain that you talked about, that, that, that smallest, most fundamental part of our physical, cerebral uh, 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 physicality that exists in our brain that we all spring up from and, and oh, after you know, years and years developed into the higher state. That reptilian brain can't conceive of a higher self. It can't conceive of things like spirituality and our place in the, in the universe. It's only concerned with survival, which is what capitalism is, a concern for survival, a, a, a singular individual concern for survival. So in that system, it's going to reward naturally those who maintain that reptilian mindset, those who stay at and are able to play the game at a reptilian level are going to be the ones that excel within the system. Those are the ones that are going to get the incentives and, and the rewards for playing that reptilian game properly and better than anybody else. And the more energy that we put into playing that reptilian game, the less energy, the less power, the less of, of ourselves we'll be able to invest in moving to our higher self. So our our ability to move to a higher self is inversely related to our investment in a system that demands we maintain a reptilian mindset. And that's now, why here's the you. thing. Here's Come the on. thing. I agree with ninety with ninety seven percent of everything you just said. Well, you, you made a whole lot of sense. Right. And you and you and you a little and you sure because you went and used my argument to make that point, which is beautiful, you know, I, and I agree with you. Only problem is, I think that one thing that we're not looking at is that when you're talking about educating the people and evolving people to a higher level of thinking, you have to understand that that is a process that goes through steps. You got to go A, B, 
C. You can't go A to Z. And because we may be there, because you may be there, don't mean that the average uh, uh, working, thinking man is there. So what you have to do is you have to meet them where they're at and start to build the process from where they're at. See, you're right. You're 100% correct when it comes to capitalism. Adam Smith said in his uh, Western Nation, it's a longer title. I only use Western Nation. They could have gone to the whole long, thrown out, uh, 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 expanded title of the book. But one of the things that he said, this is what European capitalism is based on, is he said that human beings are by nature selfish. That's what he said. And that any, for any economic system to operate properly, it got to operate off self-interest. He, he says essentially that the former does not grow his, uh, his uh, vegetables and his fruit because of some desire to help humanity. He grows it for himself. And, and a desire, and, and you know, and I don't explain this before, so I'm not going to go into deep detail about it, but in the desire to make sure he gains the greatest amount of profit, he tries, he will try to grow the best uh, uh, fruit and vegetables that he can grow because there are other forms that are growing fruits and vegetables. And if their fruits and vegetables are better than his, then people will go to him and purchase his stuff. So that's the un- quote-unquote unseen hand forces them to produce the best product for the society. Not because they want to make sure the society has the best product, but because they want to make sure society comes to them for the for the, for the product. And this is this is the whole ideology behind that. So you are correct <clears throat> that this is a system that was developed based off the European mindset and European thinking and what Europeans came out of when they came out of Europe raping and pillaging the rest of the planet. No doubt about it. What I'm saying is that from a logical point of view, when we think logically, we have to recognize where we're at, what system we're dealing with, and start from there, and then create the educational phases to move people to a higher level of understanding. You can't start from a higher level of understanding because the people are not there. That's insane. We're going to start from a higher level of understanding. People don't know what the hell you're talking about. When I was in prison, one of the things that I used to talk about, and you, and you brought this to our attention last weekend when we, just, when we had a discussion, one of the things I used to do, and, 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 I, and I had this thinking because we had already accepted that traditionally and historically we were African. So when we talked to each other, we talked to each other as Africans. So when I went to prison and I was trying to teach brothers about their history, about their culture, and about themselves, and I was using Africans, they didn't know what the hell I was saying. They didn't know who I was talking to. And, and you know, at first, it, it dumbfounded me. Then I had to change my conversation. I started using black. Then they knew, oh, you're talking about me. They didn't understand themselves <laughs> as African yet. They had evolved to that point. They thought I was talking about somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? Are, and, 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 if you, and, and to understand this, to understand prison, there are Africans straight out of Africa that work as guards in prison. And the reason for this, and I'm going to kind of break down the economics, you literally are the dude that taught me mathematics. When I was in college, the go, it was a guard. His name was Mr. Beginde. And he was a mathematics genius. I'm talking about a genius. This dude had a doctorate in mathematics, but he was working as a guard in, nice. in, the, uh, in the Texas prison. And the reason for it, I asked him why. 
I'm talking about this dude was greedy. This dude was a wise man. If you ever, you ever in your mind imagine sitting with a Jesus or sitting with a Muhammad, this is what this dude was. This dude was, was humble and extremely wise. And all the Africans that, that worked on the unit, they, they looked at him as like he was like, he was the honored elder, this old man. He looked, and, and I'm not being funny, but he looked like a turtle. Just imagine a human turtle walking around, bald head, everything. Imagine that. That's what he looked like. And uh, and he gave me respect amongst, his, amongst the other Africans by telling the other Africans, this is my student. This is my student. He's a smart man. And when he when he gave that, when he gave his approval on me like that, all the other Africans had much respect for me, never came to me sideways in any way, form, or fashion. But I say all that to say this, that in prison, there are Africans that work there. And the reason why they work, work in prison, because when they first come over with their visa, they have to have at least two years' experience of working here in America in order to apply the education that they have. They came here for the education, but they can apply it in, in the society without having two years' work experience. And the easiest, quickest place that they can get a job at is in the prison. These Africans go into the prison, and they see the average African-American acting like a pure nigga, acting and talking like little white, as you just said, you hate it. They act and talk like him. And so they have a they, they they get a distorted view of these brothers. And and the brothers have a distorted view of Africans. They don't see themselves as Africans because the Africans that come over when they see Lil Wayne walking around the unit, they don't want to identify with Lil Wayne. They don't want to identify with these brothers. But uh, <clears throat> to get back to the point, so this brother uh uh, uh Mr. Beginbe, this brother he 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 saw Afrocentricity in me and started teaching me and educating me, especially in mathematics, because that was a problem I was having in college. But the point I'm getting at is a lot of those brothers, I couldn't tell them they was African because they didn't know who I was talking to. I had to tell them they was black, and then they understood, and then they would listen to what I was saying, and then over time they would evolve into Africa. You can't go to them with this evolved economic principle and concept. Not understanding that this is where we at, so we have to deal with them from the perspective of capitalism. And, and and I don't believe in a pure form of capitalism because it does, as you just said, you're right. It does stresses an overemphasis on selfishness. It does do that. And, and uh, a perfect example: the way a lot of businesses in this society loses my money is when they try to force me to sign up for a subscription and put them on a, and a, and a, put them on an automatic deposit from my account. I don't like nobody taking money from my pocket. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna pay you every month when I want to. Don't take money out of my pocket automatically without me knowing about it. Yeah. But see that's that capitalism. They the thinking is if we get you on on that automatic transfer, you'll forget about it and won't even notice the money leaving your account. That's mm-hmm. the idea. That's that Selfish, greedy idea, and a lot of times businesses messed up by constantly operating off that format. There's been a lot of subscriptions, a lot of counsels because I like to look at my own money, and I like to determine when and where I'm going to spend my money. I don't like you taking my money out of my pocket when you want to. But again, that's capitalism. But 
even though we don't like it, even though we know that it's not the best system for humanity, one of the things that a logical person has to accept is that that's where we are at. And we have to start the people where they are at and then build them to a higher vision if we have a higher vision. You can't take them to the higher vision and ignore where we're at. That's insane. To me, that's, that's completely insane. And that's why I'm saying the things that I say about learning to operate in capitalism. I believe that if you want to have any true power, any true freedom, you need to free yourself financially. You need to create businesses. You need to create proper investments. You need to create budgets. You need to understand how to organize your own finances on a discipline level. You need to understand this capitalist system and then operate from it, not purely because you don't. Because one of the things about human beings, we cannot exist on this planet by ourselves. We need other people. Our product has value because other people want it. We have value because other people see value in it. So we have to respect the concept of humanity. And so we have to make sure that we're creating profit. At the same time that we're creating profit, we're raising up and lifting up humanity. So, and, and that is not a principle that's necessarily ingrained in capitalism. Now, I'm going to say this, <clears throat> and I know I'm pointing my brother E right now by, by talking so much, but <laughs> one thing that that, human, that that Europeans understood, Europeans, and, and we all, every every group on this planet has a particular gift. Even if we don't necessarily want to admit it and like it, we have a gift. You just said earlier that we had a gift of unity and exploration and uniting with people and making friends. We have that. And Euro, Europeans are more cold. And, and we can see it in the matrix. And the matrix is ironic that they use an old white man to represent the architect and an older black woman to represent the oracle. And even the names that they put on them, because an oracle is something that deals with intuition. It's something that deals with, with some level of spiritual enlightenment. While the architect is something that deals with mathematical uh, 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 organization. If you notice the, the, the uh, architect was cold. He wasn't, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't emotionally committed to anything. He was only committed to the mathematical truth. And, and Europeans usually go about dealing with reality from that perspective. As we know, I need empirical evidence, things that I can smell, taste, touch, and see. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because sometimes we have to deal with things empirically. Sometimes we have to. There's a balance between that way of thinking and that and that. Uh, that, that intuitive, uh, uh, feminine way of thinking. There's a balance between that. I believe, I truly believe that when we learn how to balance that and produce harmony in those two different ways of thinking, that's where you had a master teaching. Yeah, that's mine. Both extremes are wrong. Yeah, exactly. It is definitely mine. You know what I'm saying? Because both extremes are wrong. But when we look at the European way of thinking, the European way of, of, of facing the world, there are some things that we can gain from it, especially in this society. Because this society is completely automated and formated on that thinking, and I think we need to look into that. And and, and I would I would agree with ninety-seven point eight percent. The human body the is basically. I, I give great thanks. The, the the reason being is that reptilian brain. There's a reason that over thousands, millions of years or whatever, 
We didn't come up with this system that we know of. There's no recorded history of capitalism existing anywhere on the face of the planet. You can quote it, the seven whatever million miles, square miles, da 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 of the planet Earth. And our history, 196 million, 940,000 square miles. Of the planet Earth. Has there ever been a capitalist society until now? And excuse me, the reason being is because we evolved from that selfish me, 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 me into a, uh, 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 a collective concept of I and I, of you are me, we are we. There is no ownership. We are owned. We are one, all of that. And we evolved from that over this period of time, whereas Europeans have not over there, you know, little bit of time that they've been here. And at this point, if we look around, excuse me, at where we are, we're actually being devolved back into that survival mind state, into that, that, that me, 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 going in only for what benefits my immediate concerns, my immediate gratification. This is what I want, fuck you, da 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 da, da. I got to have it. We're being, we have been devolved back to that so that we identify with that, that little I as opposed to the big I. And I concur. There is no jumping from A to Z. That's from being a nigga to being a human being. We accept. You know, we're all about the process all the time. The process, process, process. Z, Z is God. Okay. Go same, ahead, brother. I'm just going to same, same thing in my head, but yeah. Um, exactly. Get the idea. <laughs> but it is about the process, and the first step for me in that process in showing not just telling, you know, uh, what's his name? Q and M used to like to say observation and participation. The people may hear a bunch of people talking about this, that, black, this, after that, that, but they have nothing to participate in. A step in that process is a co-op. One of the things in order to be recognized as a legal co-op in this country is that all of the membership, because all of the membership in the co-op have a voting right insofar as what the, 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 the co-op uh, invests in, how it spends the money, who gets, if there's a surplus of money, what's done with that money, all of that stuff, they get to vote on. Because of that, one of the things that are required for them to be, for a co-op to be recognized by the government is that everybody has to be financially literate. They have to be able to read the financials of that organization. So you can't just come along and, and hoodwink and, you know, the way they play games in the music industry and other industries, uh, the people have to be able to understand what it is they're voting on, which is a crazy concept in America, you know, because that's the complete opposite of, of the system. You want to keep them dumb and keep them voting for whatever you tell them to. That's not what a co-op does. It takes that step of saying, okay, let's get you up on, you know, what is capital, what is assets, what is, you know, overhead, liquidate, all of these types of things, and move from there. At the same time, it gives them an opportunity to, to participate in a system, the little co-op part of the system, that has a very African uh, origin. You know, we need to only go back to, again, to, to Huey and them and the programs that they did in the community, whereas you might, I'm not saying it's true or not, but the, the idea or the accusation or part of the aggravation or whatnot 
between the the, the, the African culturalists and and and, and the, the nationalists or whatever their names were. I forget the whole groupings and all of that crap. But uh, I'll say uh, us, U.S. Karenga and them versus Cuban and them was that Karenga and them would talk about this stuff. Cuban and them were boots on the ground doing stuff, not knowing that they were doing what it is the nationalists were actually talking about. So they gave the people an opportunity to participate in, invest in, benefit from, and see what it is. Gave them a living organism to observe and participate in as a first step. As a matter of fact, what's his name? Um, there was a speech I saw uh, when I was working on music and whatnot. Um, Hampton, Fred Hampton talked about how they started the, the uh, I would say, a food program. We started the food program, get it up and running. It's doing its thing. We're going to turn that over to the people, and we're going to move on to something else. So that's the process. That's a step in the process. The co-op doesn't tear away from capitalism and say, hey, we just going to do it this way. No, you got people who still go to their job, depending on the type of co-op it is, or maybe it's a food co-op. So my participation in the food co-op is I go slave in the capitalist system all day. When I get my check, I come and, and I give whatever amount of money it is. I buy some food from the co-op as opposed to going to Walmart. Now I've invested in something I own. I get to have a vote in with all of these other collective folks. So it's still participating in capitalism. You're still learning about cap. You're learning more about capitalism than they'll ever teach you because you're participating in capitalism. At the same time, you're taking a step away because just as capitalism cultivates and encourages that reptilian brain, a co-op forces a person to whatever degree, depending on the co-op, the people, the requirements all, and all of that, a co-op forces a person to tap into a higher something. You know, I've noted it several times that my participation in New Black Panther Party, and I use that because that was the biggest chunk. You know, it's been stuff before and after the party that I did, but just for an example, my investment in that time was actually for me. At the time, I thought I was doing something for the people, but in reality, I was investing in me because I laid down my petty issues or my personal issues, whatever you want to call them, and invested in something greater than myself that was uh, 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 that was uh, a catharsis, that was uh, healing, that was teaching me, helping me to grow, forcing me into areas that I was uncomfortable with, and 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 with my development. So giving people an opportunity, if they won't come to to a study class, okay, cool, just come out to the co-op and blah blah blah. Now they're participating in something that is counter counter uh, 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 counter capitalism, and is a step in that direction. So it's not outside of capitalism that is operating. It's taking the tools of capitalism and bending them in another direction, you see. So the co-op is just a step, just as the food, the breakfast program and the shoe program and the ambulance, those were just steps toward getting where we needed to be. You know, and that's what Gad the Hoover understood, that those programs that were taking it step by step, reversing the process, those were dangerous because those were effective. Those were bringing the people together. Whether it's capitalism, social, whatever you want to call it, those were things that were going counter to the establishment. That was the insurrection that we were investing in. And that's what made them so powerful and such a threat. So, like I said, 97.8% ain't too bad. But 
Things like co-ops are a step, me, are a step in that direction because, if nothing else, it does nurture that higher self. It does nurture something beyond the reptile. This is outside of, I don't need to go to, to, to Thursday night classes at the uh, Panther headquarters to survive. I don't need that shit. I can survive without it. So my survival is good. But if I want to invest in my higherness, if I want to vibrate out of the bullshit that I'm having to deal with day to day, then something like a co-op of any kind, and it's not just, it's, you know, it's food co-ops, it's economic co-ops, it's all kinds of co-ops. Anything can be a co-op. The, 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 the family, if you got what uh, I'm saying, and start investing in a bank account that y'all just, only y'all just put money into it, never took any money out, just put five bucks into it every week or whatever. That's a form of co-op because it's a collective savings. And at the end of every month or every six months or whatever, whoever needs it the most, they get to take that out, pay some bills, boom. That's a co-op. That's a real rudimentary, real fundamental, basic, you know, idea and concept, but it's something that is not foreign to us. We understand that. We can identify with that. You know, we've all heard of co-ops to some degree in one form or another, even though we may not identify them as such. We know what the hell they are. It's just we, it's, it's one of those things that's so ingrained in us that, you know, you you do things and you don't realize the origin of those things, pouring out a little liquor. Cats don't realize that that's African, that that's pouring libations, that that's calling the ancestors. You may not realize it, but a lot of cats do it without even knowing that. So it's another one of those things that's just a part of us to do. That's African mm-hmm. calling us back. So that's why I say the co-ops are a step, just as you wanted, a step. They are a step. They are that first step of saying, fuck capitalism. We're going to turn the corner. You know, because if we wait much longer, and I'm still of the opinion, black folks ain't going to set this shit off. We're just not. We're just not. If we get our shit together and act right, we can, we can coalesce, we can put something together to survive the onslaught and come out on the other side intact to whatever degree, you know, somewhat intact uh, uh, when all the dust settles or, you know, send our particular communities or stand out all that type of stuff. But we're not going to be the ones to set it off. We're just not. I'm thinking more and more for me, it's going to be white folks fighting white folks. And we're going to have to be in a position where we can just sit on the sidelines and be in, look, look, what, look what they're doing down there, that sort of situation. Let them fight it out, and then we'll come in and clean up. So, yeah. They're now, not, you, they're, you, saying, you saying that, I, I got two questions I want to put out there. Because I think that, that people are interested in knowing this. One, you are mixed parentage, and you see yourself as black. You are you have a white mother and a black father. You talking about my mom? You, I ain't talking about nothing. I'm just I'm just expressing <laughs> it. But but you are 100 percent for black development and black programs and black concepts and ideas. Now one of the things that, now I'm going to go to, uh, to to popular media right now, popular news media. One of the things that people have attacked uh, the sister that's the vice president right now, Kamala, is that she's a mixed parentage, that she's not actually black. In your opinion, how do you see this sister and what do you think about this sister? Now, I'm going to say this. Now, regardless of our politics, because the sister asked me about this, sister questioned me about this, and I told her that one of the things about me is being that I'm a revolutionary thinker, I... I'm not quick to get behind any politicians because I understand the game. 
I want to see the, the 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 labor, the fruits. But on the other hand, I understand symbolism because we think in symbols. One thing about human beings, we think in symbols. You don't think in words. When you when you hear the word car, woman, the the, the symbol pops in the mind. And if you have an incorrect ideal of what a car woman is, the incorrect symbol will pop to mind. So we, we manufacture our uh, our paradigm, our concepts, our philosophy off symbol. So to me, the sister is a great symbol for women, for women uh, uh, generally and for black women particularly because she represents that, that, that development that women would love to see. That's why women jump so quick to chunk on chucks and pearls because they finally saw somebody in power that represented them. But I said, I'll have to say this. What do you think about this? Because many were saying she's not even black. You think about it because she's mixed with black and Asian parents. What is your thought process on this? And then I have a second question to ask dealing with the so-called insurrectionists and the capital. Well, I think like John Henry Clark, because I used to kind of struggle a little bit with the question back uh, when I first started learning all this, because people were asking, and I was like, huh, that's a good question. Uh, But John Henry Clark, in talking about the era, because they're essentially a group of people who came out of uh, the, the mixing of Africans and the European invaders, is that they have a choice to make. You know, we, we have to understand. We really understanding racism, white supremacy. We've got to accept that race is not genetic. Got nothing to do. There's no biological definition of of African or European or any of that shit. You know, is it is it the broad nose that makes you African? Is it the fuller lips? Is it the skinny, long, pointy nose that makes you European? Is it the long, stringy hair that makes you European? What is it? Because all of those things existed in Africa. Of so-called pure, pure African people long before Europeans came into being. We had all of that shit, varying degrees across the entire continent. So John Henry Clark said essentially the Arabs are someone that is a result of that has a choice to make. You can identify with your oppressor or you can identify with the, the oppressed. And understanding that this is a, a, a social uh, a phenomenon, Europeans have oppressed African people. I still the pain and the frustration of African people. When I go outside, white folks don't look and say, hmm, he, he looks kind of mixed. He might be all right. Let him on the whiteboard. Let's bring him on over to the, to the white side of the county. They don't say that. I'm a nigga as far as they're concerned. Lighter brown nigga, darker brown. He's a nigga, 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 nigga. It's all the same. So, you know, I, 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 as far as Kamala, as far as I'm concerned, she a sister. I wouldn't call her to me. Well, I guess she is a symbol for women to look up to of what a woman can do when she's willing to exploit, beat down, throw her own people under the bus, and identify with the oppressor. Because that's what her career, when I look at her career, and, you know, done things like hide testimony that would have freed a brother from jail. He had that shit pushed to the side so that he could stay in jail. She was in support of of um, the, the, cha- the keeping the prison numbers up because of things like the chain gangs and, and the, the, the free labor that they got out of the prison system. She was all for that. So, yeah, she's a symbol of what you can do if you're willing to sell out to the degree 
that this system uh, demands that you do. I mean, it's like any other thing. It, 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 again, they're going to hate you, brother. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I mean, Kamala, Kamala ain't no different than Obama. I mean, fuck, fuck Obama with Kamala's dick. I don't care. She, she's no better. <laughs> Obama did nothing for African people. Kamala ain't going to do nothing for African people. I guarantee you, I wish somebody called in because I bet them $1,000, and four years from now we can get together, and when that $1,000 is worth a buck twenty-five, they can go ahead and pay me because she ain't going to do nothing for us because the system does not reward liberating people, and that's why I like to say liberation and economics don't mix. And what I'm saying is that, for instance, what I would really like to do is to liberate the minds of the masses. But you're not going to make a bunch of money purely. I'm not talking about, you know, tweaking. I know there are things where you can work it and, and make a, and I get that. But just purely liberating someone mentally from the system because the masses of people don't want that and the system is going to punish you for attempting to do that, the greater your success, the more you'll be punished or your perceived success, uh, 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 success the more you'll be punished uh, I, I refer back again to Huey and them and, and the, the, the programs that they had. So so she didn't get to be the vice president of uh, a, a white America incorporated by helping black folks. You know, Bill Gates didn't get to where he is because he's a smart guy, because he, you know, treated people well. Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk didn't get to be worth over $100 billion because they sincerely want to help the environment and help people overcome the adversity and block. No, no. These are megalomaniacs who have invested in stepping on and cutting anybody's throat that they want, that they need to in order to get where they want to get to. So, yes. But see, what you just said about Jeff Bezos and these people, it goes back to capitalism, goes back to what uh, uh, the cat said when he when he wrote The Wealth of Nation, Adam Smith, it goes back to what he said. He yeah. said that basically people operate off self-interest. So Jeff Bezos and these people, they didn't operate off wanting to save humanity. They operated off self-interest. And according to Adam Smith, according to his Wealth of Nation, that then they, what they would end up doing is helping humanity based off their desire for to help their own self-interest. Because they, they want to make sure that they're able to produce as much wealth as they can produce for themselves to secure their own situation, they'll try to produce the greatest product that they can to introduce to the public. Not because they just want to help people and that they're in a little preferred with people because they want to help themselves, but in order to help themselves, they got to produce the best product. And, but and they, that's, that's, go ahead, go ahead. I'm going to let you go on in there. Only until the advent of AI. You, you help the environment, quote-unquote, help the environment or give the perception that you're helping the environment because that's what exploits the people and gets them to give you their money is that perception. Because at the same time, they talk about, yeah, we want to help the environment. They're investing in companies that are exploiting, continue to exploit the environment. So, so yes, they create the, the, the best product possible that helps them increase whatever it is they try their 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 power, their their money and all of that, until they get to the point of AI, they don't have to care about, you know, 
uh, impressing you in order to extract money. They'll just give you a universal basic income that they know you're going to have to turn around and spend with them and continue to, to look for ways to not only exploit it, but to get off the planet. Now, so I think, now let me say no, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I'm going to come. No, no. Well, let me say this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You show? No. <laughs> yes. Psych, you go ahead. Because I'm the moderator. Psych, you go ahead. All right. Now, <clears throat> now I wanted to say this because I wanted to ask E another question. I'm going to ask him about the quote-unquote insurrectionists that rioted on the Capitol. Uh, uh, few weeks ago. I want to talk about that. But before I go into that, because we're talking about capitalism, we're talking about money, we're talking about resources. So before I go into that, I want to, I want to go into this. I want to dig into this a little bit. Now, again, I'm not saying that they did that Elon Musk and uh, Jeff Bezos did what they did to uh, to help humanity. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that it was a humanitarian trait. Uh, Adam Smith says that. He said that they did what they did for themselves. Yeah. But in the process of trying to produce a system that could benefit them, they ended up producing a system that could benefit uh, uh, people. Because only by benefiting people, only by giving people what it is that they feel that they need, can you make a profit. When Jeff Bezos created Amazon, he created a system that allowed us to get books we didn't have to go to the bookstore anymore. We could jump on online, look for any book that we wanted to look for, find it at a cheaper price, and have it shipped to us and put it on our door. Therefore, creating what was what's considered a, 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 a convenience. It's the same reason why you go buy a hamburger from Burger King, not because Burger King creates the best hamburger. Big Mama uh, cooks the best hamburger, but Burger King gives us convenience, so we pay for convenience. And so Jeff Bezos created convenience, not for us, but for himself. And because he created the convenience, then we put money into him and not Jeff Bezos worth $150 billion. He's considered the richest man on the planet Earth. And and, and that's what the whole system of, of capitalism is based off of. It's based off that. That's what Adam Smith said. By accepting that human nature is based on uh, 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 self-interest and then creating an economic system that feeds to that, then that self-interest will automatically uh, end up supporting the, the, the needs and the, and, the, and the greater needs of the society as a whole. So that's what, what, what has happened with these people's companies. You know what I'm saying? They didn't do it because they wanted to help humanity. They did it because it, it was in their own self-interest to do it. But, but in the but process, they end up helping humanity. But but let's un- let's understand that they really help humanity. Remember, like you said, Amazon started off just selling books. Amazon didn't blow up until the advent of manufactured consent. When they when it started becoming possible for companies to track what you do online, to track what you what what it is they they want, they, what what it is you you believe you want, and then the next step of going in and manipulating you to want what it is they have. So now you want what they have, whether it's the best or not. Now now they no longer have to in fact they don't produce anything. What does what does what does Facebook, one of the 
the, the highest market cap, uh, one of the most valued companies in the world. What does it produce? Nothing. We are the product. So, yeah, I, I, I concur. They're not going to, they didn't do all of this because they wanted to help anybody. But at the same time, I can't see where they really helped anybody. They created a space where people thought, oh, this is convenient. That's not helping me. It's convenient for me to get something because, oh, shit, I looked up something on my laptop two weeks ago, and now I'm scrolling on my phone. Oh, shit, there's a cheap thing that I looked up two weeks ago on my laptop. Two seemingly disconnected items that are now feeding me and telling me what to do. So, again, Amazon didn't pop up. Amazon, it started out feeling feeling somewhat of a niche, but it didn't really begin to grow until you got started getting in, get, getting into them uh, manipulating and manufacturing consent, telling us what it is we want, and then selling our wants back to us. There's no benefit that I see. There's no benefit there. You know, I get people want convenience, but again, that's not helping uh, humanity. That's not creating a better product. That's exploiting my emotions for your better benefit, and that's really all they've done. The whole tech, all of it, YouTube, I get sick of them suggesting shit. Quit telling me what you think I want to see and show me what it is I ask. What's all of that? It's irritating as hell to me. You know, Facebook, I don't really invest in, but all of that shit, it's the same thing. It's this loop that they've created, you know. So, so yeah, I, I you know, I have to agree with you like, you know, 67% on that one. I, I don't know. But, but anyway, go ahead. What, 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 what about the <laughs> Okay. Well, I want to know your ideas on that, the Trump supporters raiding the Capitol. I want to know your ideas of, 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 because this is, essentially, this is unprecedented, you know, mm. to have a group of quote-unquote citizens raid the capital of the country and be yeah. able to do the things that they did in the, in, in, at the Capitol. What do you think created that? What do you think produced that? Well, um, I mean, it's not. I, I, so I was at work all day, right? And Rashida mm-hmm. sent me some uh, some meme, some jokey joke about it, and I was looking at it like, what, what the hell is she talking about? Hold on, now, 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 hold on, hold on. You messing up because we got yeah. listeners. And they don't know who the hell Rashid is. Who is Rashid? Oh, that, my bad. My uh, my daughter. <laughs> my daughter. Yeah. She, she's my junior uh, uh, minister of information, so she be feeding me news articles and, and all the time, be trying yeah. to outdo me and whatnot. Um, so she sent me this this information about it, um, uh, and, and I or a meme about it. I didn't have any idea what she was talking about. So when I got home, you know, I'm I'm glued to to. to um, Hey man, doing? I was I was glued to the um, to the news feeds and to the articles and just started. I'm in it for like three or four hours, and I'm getting excited as hell. I'm amped up. I'm I'm loving this. You know, there are whatever percentage of those people that did what they did. There's a percent that is, you know, provocateurs, people working for the government, you know, egging shit on to try to get things sacred basically. But it, I can't see it being a huge number, like 50% or even 20% or 10%. You had a couple of people who were put there 
to fan the flames of what was already there. You know, this is European angst. This is white folks being pissed off because whether it's along racial lines or it's along economic lines, see their way of life under threat again. <clears throat> and it's not, I have to uh, check you on it, it's not unprecedented. There have been violent coups in the U.S., not uh, whether it's uh, a government, in a, in a, uh, I mean, in a, like a state government or a local government. Um, there have been cats that have uh, rioted on the, uh, there were, you know, draft riots and, and things of that nature throughout the, the history of this, this, this country. So um, it's not necessarily unprecedented. It may have been unprecedented in the sense that it was on the D.C. Capitol just before an election, that sort of thing, but white folks in this country, I mean, they're violent, so they're going to do that. But they've always, you know, disliked that we were here. It, that's that catch-22. You brought us here, and now you pissed off because we're here. What the fuck is wrong with you? Type of scenario. But for me personally, I enjoyed it. You know, I love, I, 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 number one, I love seeing white folks go ham because it's funny. Number two, it's that idea that, okay, somebody's doing something. Do something, you know, because we've been waiting, it, it, you know, most of our lives or a large portion of our lives for black folks to get up and do something and have yet to see any real something in our lifetime. So to see some other group, whatever group, pushing back the way they pushed back, and I think most of them were probably sincere in wanting to stop whatever it is they saw as an attack on their way of life, whether it's black or whether it's green, whatever. But to see that type of angst after, you know, just a few years, Obama and then Trump, and now they're pissed off quick. And that's why I like to, to, to draw that, that contrast between they got pissed off real quick. Yeah, it's always been simmering underneath. They, it's always, you know, racism, but they were in a position where at least they knew at the end of the day, I'm white. This is my country. I'm white. And then after <laughs> eight years of a, uh, a Negro president and folks, what they perceive as attacking their crusader for truth, Trump, that's all it took. And these folks were riding on the fucking Capitol. I wish we could get to that. I wish we would have that type of movement. Not saying that we need to go and do exactly that, but to have that energy, that willingness, you know, this idea, I'm going to go to the Capitol. The, the one chick that pretty much got, she just got popped, just, you know, climbing up, trying to get to that window and just got, boom, done. You know, with the idea that um, part of it for us is that we don't, number one, we don't believe that we're going, we would succeed if we were to do something like that. And number two, we're concerned about whether or not we would succeed if we did something like that. You know, there comes a point if, if, if you have children and you're out at the mall, at the grocery store, whatever, and a zoo comes up and tries to attack your kids, you're not going to pause and think, can I beat him up? Should I, should I try to stop him? Because I might not succeed. That's not going to be your thought process. You're going to jump to their defense, damn who it is. 
and go to war with this cat. If it's two cats that's jumping on your kids, if it's 20 cats that's jumping on your kids, I know I would. There is no hesitation. Whether I'm going to win, I might lose. Fuck that. I got to stop him. I got to do what I got to do. But we don't perceive it in those terms because what we talked about earlier with us being uh, disassociated, um, dissolved into the system, we don't identify. We have that Novocaine. So even though he drill, they're drilling into our mouths, pulling teeth, we don't know that they're hurting us because we're numb to what each other go through. So we don't see it as family. We don't see it as protecting ourselves. And we step back and allow that fear of maybe we win, maybe we lose. Now, fuck that. We're already losing. And Trump said it best. What you got to lose? You may die tomorrow anyway. You may choke on a grape. But you stand up and you fight because someone's attacking your kids. Not whether you win or lose, because someone is attacking you. Period. So, yeah, I love that them cats did what they did. I don't like the legislation that, by the way, Biden and them, for all you uh, neoliberals and, and wannabes and all of that, 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 number one, still invest in the voting system, but also think that Biden is some type of, you know, greater of two evils. You know, one cat's going to beat you to death with a, with a hammer, and the other one's going to beat you to death with, a, with an axe. It, you know, same thing. The, the legislation that they're already discussing, putting in place to deal with insurrectionists and that type, the greater level of, of military oversight and legal oversight and whatnot, was written by Biden already before the D.C. thing went on. It was already put together. You watch how quick they started enacting these laws. Your gun rights, some places, a lot of places, I forget, high-capacity magazines and, and all, of that, all of that stuff that you are not allowed to have for certain weapons, uh, a silencer that you're not allowed to have, all of these things that you're not allowed to have is going to get bigger. It's going to expand because the boy Biden and them, that's what they want. That's, that's their angle into the shit. And that's, I know that's one of the reasons that, you know, those cats that, that rode on D.C. would cite that type of stuff, and I have to agree with them. They're going to begin, they're going to continue to lock it down and make it that much more difficult. It might not affect you with a, you might not have a 30-round clip for, for an AK. That's fine. But when they come along and say a high-capacity magazine for a, a 9 millimeter, you can only have three shots or whatever it is. When they start saying and putting it into action, you know how if, if you go to a bar and you get just fucked up drunk, and you go out driving and you kill somebody from drinking and driving, the, the bar owner can be sued. They're working on doing the same thing with gun manufacturers. If I use a Smith & Wesson to shoot up a school, the families can go after the, the, the gun manufacturers. So they don't have to make the shit illegal. The gun manufacturers are not going to be able to manufacture guns. That's how they get around that shit. And that shit's coming. That shit's already been put on the table. And now they've got all these bleeding-heart liberals in the White House, the Senate, the Congress, all of that, who are now going to be able to put that shit into place. So, again, we're asking for it. We're asking to be stripped. We're asking to be locked down even further. And that whole insurrectionist thing is going to play right into their hands. So on that side of it, yeah, it's it, it, it still, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of, of giddiness when you say, yep, try to tell you, you know, don't like it, but, yes, try to tell you that it's coming, that it's happening. It's already being rolled out. 
So, yeah, thank you, insurrectionists, or whoever, whatever y'all are, poor boys, proud boys, whatever the fuck you call yourself. Yeah, it, it, just, uh, that's going to be part of the excuse that they use to put those things into place. <clears throat> I want, it, it, I want to say something. I want to say something about that, too, that I want to make sure the listener audience knows. Even with all this stuff going on, FBI still considers the greatest threat to, to, to the internal security of the United States black identity extremism. With all of this insurrection mess that went on and all of the stuff that's been building up here over the few years with, with when Trump was in office, still it was black identity extremists was still the number one, on the number one radar of the FBI. With all that being said, and what E's talking about with the whole thing about the legislation that's being that's going to be uh, put in place as a result of that uh, insurrection, it is their biggest concern that black people would look at this as an example to follow. That is what they're more concerned about than anything. So I do want y'all to be aware of that is the fact that it would not work with us. Not only would it not work with us, their biggest concern and threat in, in, of the whole situation is that black folks would be inspired by this. And that's what we got to keep in mind. So when something is copied, so to speak, and used as an example, history teaches you that from a strategic and, and warfare standpoint, you have to always be the innovator. So as black people, when we do decide or if we decide or if we work our way to some form of advanced, synchronized liberation, then it has to come from a position that we're, we're being the innovators of it. So I'm just going to end with that and let y'all keep going. Well, we, 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 I don't, like I said, we, we're we not going to innovate that way. We're not going to bum rush the, 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 uh, the, uh, the capital, I think, in large part because the casting to do it ain't got no ride to get up there. That's the way it is. And we ain't going <laughs> to we, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't do shit like that. You know, and, and, and we're so divided and at each other. To the point that you know we're concerned about you know you have black so you ain't black all of that nonsense and so distracted you know our frustrations I mean even organizations like BLM and, and all of that they're still manipulated and used and in cahoots and being led by those in power so it's still going to go the direction that they want it to go it's still going to whatever comes out of that and that's why I say. If you just look at the militias in this country. White militias, you don't want to fuck with them because they're organized, because they take their money and they pull it to go get a bunch of bullets to go down to a Billy Bob's farm and shoot some shit up and practice. They're rehearsing for this shit. We are not rehearsing. They try to say that, oh, cats in the street, you know, gangbanging and stuff, they're rehearsing for that. That's not rehearsal for that. There's no no coordinated effort. Was it a, a, a Slauson Street or, 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 or whoever, you know, 606, is that, is that right? It's like the 606, there's no, you know, concerted effort, you know, this Rolling roll 60. Rolling okay. There, there's no, <laughs> no, there's no, no game plan behind this shit. It's an emotional reaction to the moment. It's a trigger. That's all we got is triggers. 
what you call it, what's some people? Um, um, not naughty by nature. Um, not a fuck. Not what is it? Not not fucking around. NFAC. Where you at? You know what what you're doing. You know there's no concerted effort there. So it's it's not anything that we're going to innovate. We're not going to emulate. It's it's just to me it's just not going to happen. But like I said, I think that what we have to do is recognize the limitations. Because let's face it, anything we get going militarily, they'll they'll infiltrate white militias to keep tabs on them, to kind of manipulate, to coordinate with them, and make sure that they got what they needed and they're going to go do this and everything's coordinating on the up and up. At the same time, they'll infiltrate black militias not to manipulate, not to direct, but to destroy. So. Right. You know, with that goal being those goals being so so different, anytime we begin to develop something like that, it's going to get shut down by the overwhelming might militarily because that's what they've invested in of of this country. You know, and it 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 it, it doesn't take but a small percent. You know, the what is it the what was that war the uh, North and South the the Civil War. Um, was only fought by a small percent of the population. Like, I don't know, three, four, eight percent of the population actually went to war. It didn't take the whole masses. It just took a few cats that was really pissed off and ready to ride and do something. And it takes to support any coup, any coup d'etat, any real insurrection would take the coordination of a country's military. As long as the military is riding for Biden or whoever's sitting in that seat, Kamala, when, when Biden dies, when Kamala takes over, <laughs> if the military is still riding for her, if the military is still on her side, you don't have a chance. It's when the military begins to say, you know what, if you look at all of the if Venezuela and Iraq and all these other places, the shit actually flipped. The government actually failed when the military was fed up tired of not getting paid, hungry, whatever, and they changed sides. When they changed sides, it was over. As long as the establishment has the military from the, the actual, you know, Army, Navy, Marines, from them on down to the Sheriff's Department and all of that type of shit, as long as they're on the side of the government, you shut it down. And there have been many sheriffs, especially in the past year, two years, there are different pieces of legislation that a lot of them have come out and said, yeah, we're not enforcing that. Fuck you. We're not, we're not doing that. We're not forcing people to do that. So there may be a wavering. There may be some substance that comes out of that. That would be awesome. But who knows? But, yeah, I think it was a, it was, it was a pretty, pretty cool thing. And I'm, I'm glad you made that point. I'm, glad, I'm very glad you made that point because this is very important for those who call themselves revolutionaries to understand the science of revolution. Without a shadow of a doubt, that revolutions always start to completely dismantle the government, usually starts from the military being disenfranchised. You're right. As long as the military still supports the popular leaders, there would be no real revolution. Real revolutions take place when the military is disenfranchised by the popular uh, leadership of the government. Uh, uh, the military and the, uh, the intellectual leaders, those who develop and create the ideology for the society. 
those two groups are the major groups that actually produce revolution. And the reason I brought up the uh, the uh, storming of the Capitol, I'm gonna call it that, is because you said it wasn't pre- unprecedented. It isn't unprecedented that citizens would be so upset with the government that they would rebel. But the reason I said it was unprecedented because at no time has a group of citizens ran into the capital of the country and with, with damn Viking horns on and sit at <laughs> Nancy Pelosi's feet and put their feet on the desk. This has never happened before. You know what I'm saying? And, and when you see something like this and you see it, 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 it is able to take place, you have to ask yourself, what made it happen? You know, in my well, opinion, in my opinion, this is my opinion. I may be wrong, and I'm and I, brother Wall, brother EIS, you brothers come in and get y'all thoughts on it. And my opinion, I right after you. This happened as a backlash to Barack Obama. White people, for the most part, and I've seen those who have been recruited in white racist organizations. The number one thing that recruited them into those groups was. That the blacks are taking over the furrow, that black people are taking over the country, and that we're moving away from those uh, uh, great days of America. We're moving away from that. That that is the number one thing that white racist groups use to recruit white people into those organizations. And white people have been quiet for a long time, but they have been unhappy because they 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 essentially feel that they're losing power in the country. Look at it. You got the first uh, uh, black and Asian and female vice president. You had the first black and African, a damn African president. Look at what you, look at what's going on here. We're losing control of the country. So then uh, uh, Trump come along and he represents not only is everything that you despise, buddy, he represents capitalism. He represents that redneck white man. He represents that privileged white boy. He represents every, all of that. And he comes in and he tells, let's make America great again. And like you just said, whenever you say again, you're talking about returning it, in, returning it into a previous state. So when he says this, He's saying, let's take it back when white people had full power and control before women, before blacks, before Asians, before Latins, before all these different groups had a say-so in our society and our government. Let's make it great again when, when the white man had full power. And he called out those remnants of society that has been unhappy with where society has been going. He called that out, and they came out in full support. And you see them storming the Capitol because only that white people that feel that they're privileged to do such a thing would make such an action. As you just said, black people wouldn't do that because they don't believe that they, they would be successful. White people believe that they, they could be successful. There was a white woman, she got sprayed with mace. That's how it happened to her. And she, and, and, and it trips me out. It's tripped me out because I've been sprayed with me, as you as you know, and I'm not ashamed to say I did 17 years of prison. So doing that type of time of prison, you're going to get some gas. It's going to happen. 
<laughs> and this white woman, they got sprayed with some with some mace, and they 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 questioned. She said they sprayed me like they did a wrong, and they and they asked her why, and she said it's a revolution. We're taking the capital. <laughs> Hell, this is a revolution. You should be shocked if you got shot in the head. You understand what I'm saying? If it's a revolution, you shouldn't be shocked if you got a bullet in the head. Because this what this what happens in revolution. She was shocked that she got sprayed with mace. You know, yep, and, exactly. and, and <laughs> that's saying something. That she felt that because she was white, she wouldn't get sprayed. She had the right to storm the capital. How the hell you got a revolution and a resurrection and you don't feel like nobody's gonna gonna go against you? How the hell you feel? How, the, how in the world do you have that type of thought process? But this is what, this is my thinking. This is why I feel like these white people stormed the capital. They stormed the capital because they felt like they were losing power in the society. They felt like they were losing control of the society, and Trump played on that. In my opinion, Trump played on that. And those people came out and full. Uh, uh, Trump was able to say them anything. Trump said, and I and I and, and I look back on this, and this 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 you know me, I'm a mathematical thinker. I'm a thinker, so I'm able to look at this and say, man, how is his is, is his followers not able to look at this? This is the same man that came out and talked against black uh, 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 black lives matter BLM. He's the same dude that came against them and said that, that he's the same dude that came against uh, uh, Kaepernick. He's the same dude, same guy. He came against all these different groups and said that they was un-American, said they was, that they was unpatriotic, and said that the Democratic leaders in those, in those cities that allowed these protests to take place, he said that they was weak and that you needed to have a strong sense of law and order in these in these places that uh, that they had these these protests, these Black Lives Matter protests, you need to have a strong sense, and that these Democratic leaders, by not dealing with them in a in a sense of force, was basically uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Leading uh, the betting, empowering them. Yeah, empower resurrection. He the same dude that said that. His father was. Attack the damn capital. You know what I'm saying? And I see the uh, I see the contradiction in that. I see the extreme contradiction in that. And that's why I asked the question and wanted to know your opinion on that because this guy he he he's a demagogue. He's using white people's emotionalism because white people don't want to give up power. Nobody wants to do that. John Henry Clark said it. No people in power ever teach the powerless how to take power from them. As right. soon as we understand that, we will we would have made a great leap in consciousness. People in right. power don't teach you how to take their power from them. They don't do that. Matter of fact, if they're in power, they don't even recognize that they shouldn't be in power. They don't recognize anything like that. They they in right. their mind say it again. It's God given right. I got this power. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's the situation we're dealing with here. With this, with this whole situation, white people are upset. I had a conversation with a white guy one time, and I'm going to say his name. Hell, ain't no problem with saying his name. His name is Kirk Contrell. That was his name. And he was an AD, Aryan Brotherhood. He was a captain, actually, in the AD, in the Aryan Brotherhood. And 
when he came and when he came and met me, I had a picture of Michael X on the wall, and I was reading the autobiography of Michael X. And the guy he came in and he saw this, and he didn't say anything at first. And later that night, when he wrapped up in the cell with me, he asked me, "Say, look out, man, can I ask you a question?" I said, "Go ahead." He said, "Are you a racist?" I said, "No, I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist at all." He said, "But you got that picture of Malcolm X." And you read that Michael Mays book. And I say, hey, you ever read anything that Michael said? Did you know anything about Malcolm? Malcolm wasn't, wasn't a racist. Malcolm was actually a humanitarian. He believed in humanity. And just so happened, a certain group of people was taking away the humanity of another group of people, so he spoke against him. You know, and I, and I explained this to him. And, me, and he and I, we had like a six, seven-hour conversation. So finally, at the end of the day, he told me that he he wanted to be educated in the type of things that Malcolm taught, and he told me that that uh, the whites are basically uh, uh, initiated into these racist organizations through fear. He he simply told me that because one of the things he argued with me, he said, "Man, can I can I can I talk frankly?" I said, you can talk frankly, but don't be disrespectful. And he he, basically, he said, blacks are taking over. And this is the furrow that groups like the Aryan Brotherhood comes at white people with. Blacks are taking over. They're taking over the government. They're taking over society. And, you know, and I rebuttaled everything that he said, you know, and, and talking about how people, essentially I told him, he said, and this is his argument. It sounds crazy as hell, but this is his argument. The argument was, there's Black History Month, but there's no White History Month. And I told them, well, maybe that's because it's White History Europe, and we only have a <laughs> month to talk about Black history, and that's only from the perspective of Black people once they got around White people. Then he said, there's, there's Black Entertainment Television, but there's no White Entertainment Television. I said, well, there it is, but y'all don't call it that. Y'all call it CBS, NBC. And ABC and HBO. That's what y'all call it. TNT USA. That's what y'all call it. Y'all don't call it white entertainment television. And the guy that started uh, uh, black entertainment television, Bob Johnson, sold it to a white organization. So even black entertainment television is controlled by white people. And the first thing that they did was fire Tavis Smiley, who had the black uh, 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 TV show on BET. You know, when I when I was breaking all this down to him and explaining all this to the guy, you know, it, it just enlightened him. It, it woke him up. But whites have this fear that they're losing the country. They have this fear, this great fear that they're losing. And, and this is what they're recruiting to these ideas with. And I feel like this is what made those groups of whites storm the capital the, the way they did because they fear that they're, they're losing the country. And here's the truth. <clears throat> You're right. Any politician that has made it to the highest level of government, there is no way that they have been about to oppress people. But the truth is, if you really look at it, it is opening the doors for those who are about the rights of oppressed people. That's what I meant when I said Kamala is a symbol. She's a symbol because the average black woman, the average woman period in this country doesn't know her history. They don't do what you do, Brother E. They don't research her political policies. They just see this woman of color 
is in chucks and pearls, and they feel more powerful. Now, some of these people that see in power might be Kathleen Cleaver, the next one, so to speak. They might be Asada Shakur, the next one, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? They might be the next Angela Davis. They might be some young 16-year-old sister in school that's reading Angela Davis, Asada Shakur, Kathleen Cleaver's book. They might be the next sister reading that and when they see this sister, even though she has not done anything beneficial for black people, like I said earlier, I don't expect any politician to do anything for the people per se because I understand the game that's got to be played. But they, the symbol is still her. And that symbol of alive and just fires up people. Black people have never been this so ex- excited about politics. Hell, most of them don't even know what the hell they're doing. But they went out yeah, and voted. I, I, I was going to say, black, 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 folk, black folk have had the times when they're very excited about voting. Not politics, voting. So, there yeah, you go. I, I would agree with that. All that distinction. But she, she getting people fired up about voting. But right. You're right about that. <laughs> and Trump, too. Her and Trump on both levels. She's both Trump. Levels. Inspired so many people to come out and say such hateful things, and he said things himself. Colin Kaepernick, Black Lives Matter, all the stuff he said, police killers of black people, all the stuff he said pissed black people off. He talked too much. He wasn't political enough. He didn't accept the political training that. Say it again. I want to jump in because y'all ain't giving me a chance to talk at all. So. <laughs> You're the moderator. Don't nobody care about you. Yeah, you. Yeah, I thought you said you was the moderator. Yeah, yeah. You ain't and, and I to get to talk too. Okay, I get well, to talk too. Okay, do it like this. It, 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 it's 16 minutes still. So if 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 if, if, if sites for it and nobody wants to piece in and none of the callers want to piece in and say something, I'll go ahead and 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 I give up. You know, I ain't gonna say nothing else for the next. What is that? You got to have four minutes for the outro. So you got 13 minutes. I wanted to I wanted to say based on what Syke was saying and, and I want to play off the terminology he used and then I'm gonna go into something. You kept saying it's unprecedented, but it was actually presidented, which why what happened happened. So I just want to make sure that you, you draw that distinction because you said it is unprecedented. The word itself is what created the scenario, just like you started going into. It was presidential that created that situation. And with that, let me go back and throw the same definitions out there that I I referenced before. Insurrection, by definition, is an act or an instance of rise in revolt, rebellion, or resistance against civil authority or an established government. One of the definitions of enemy is a hostile nation or state. So when you look at the definition of enemy and you look at the definition of insurrection, it all makes sense. And going into y'all referring to me as brainiac, I got those some more out there. One of the acronyms that I teach, that we teach, let me say that, within the Panther 48 that I use quite often is constructed opposition scenario targeting which the acronym is COST. What does something cost you? Constructed opposition scenario targeting is the creation of drawing out or targeting resistor forces 
by the enemy to channel would-be combatants prematurely into battle and engineering conflicts to keep the real resistance from having perpetual fortified girth. And in saying that, I want you to look at the insurrection as being exactly just that. Therefore, don't let the Proud Board's efforts, which were directed by the CIA operatives, to cause you to visibly mount a defense as if we are under attack. The chess move at the Capitol was designed beyond a group of hotheads that we saw get arrested or we saw carry out the maneuver. I seriously would go as far as saying that this was a CIA-created uh, 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 event. And the reason why is you always got to know that when you're talking about governmental structures and you're talking about an organization whose technology and access to military might is at a minimum 40, 50 years ahead of commercial technology that we have before us. You take that, take the fact that, and I mentioned this not too long ago on, on the radio program, the pace of technology is evolving at minimum every six months. The pace of human, uh, what I say, human emotional states has not changed, at least in terms of the evolution of it, for the past, we can say, few hundred years. So our pace of emotional advancement or emotional maturity as our bodies age is still at a slower pace than the rate in which technology is developed. So from that standpoint, if technology is doubling itself every six months and our emotional stability, our emotional awareness, our emotional critical thinking is not advancing right along with the same level of technology that we're using, that means you have a population of people that are emotionally incapable of fully utilizing the technology that they use to exert their emotional state or to exert their logical awareness. Knowing that, how is it that we could not be calculated, employed, and you and, and the technology and the means of social media and the means of our social development not be used against the masses of people? which again goes right back to why I say the job of the CIA is to prevent any situation or any insurrection from taking place. Thereby, the perfect way to go about that is to manufacture one so that you can make sure that there is certain legislation and you can make sure that there are certain things that are put in place to prevent a real insurrection. And that's exactly what I think took place. Again, going into the idea of constructed opposition scenario targeting. Another concept of that is calculated opposition, which is the process of training and prepping upon for battle. This is just a big chess game. And I use some examples of uh, 33 strategies of war just to even further go into it. One of them, say, is defined as controlling the, the dynamic. Controlling dynamic is instead of trying to dominate the other side every move, work to define the nature of the relationship itself. Control your opponent's mind, pushing emotional buttons and compelling them to make mistakes. Is that not exactly what former President Trump did? 
It's exactly what he did. And and he wasn't this grand grandiose stinker. It was just knowing how to again utilize a people's emotional instability against them. Simple as that. That's the game he played to get where he get, got anyway in terms of being financially empowered. Another concept here within the 33 strategies of war is knowing your enemy. The target of your strategy is not the army you face, but the mind who runs it. Learn to read people. See, these are the kind of concepts that should let us know, really, that there's more going on. The last one I want to mention is, is this. Amidst the turmoil of events, do not lose your presence of mind. Keep your presence of mind, whatever the circumstance, make your mind tougher by exposing it to adversity. Learn to detach yourself from the chaos of the battlefield. That, to me, that last one there is exactly, to me, one of the key elements that we're missing. We have to make ourselves tougher by exposing it to adversity. That is no different than from a physical standpoint, you exercising and getting your muscles worn out and tired and, and feeling pain in order for the, 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 the muscle itself to build and become stronger. See, when you talk about the defining of struggle and suffrage, and to me I like to use the word suffrage, that is basically us allowing and, and, and embracing the pain that we must go through in order to come out, out of the other side and actually have something to contribute to make this place, this world a better place, to make our movement better, to make our people better, to make us work toward going back to what I say great again is to having that definition actually mean something to us instead of us only being able to go back in time and look at ourselves as, as, as the formation of the nigger. See, from that standpoint, we have to take the adversity that we face and intentionally use that to become more powerful. And being that we're dealing with the last few minutes of the show, that is the reason why I wanted to end it on that, because we, have, we talk about problems, but we have to go into it and end on some aspects of solutions. So the solution would be, people, again, utilize that adversity, utilize the pain, and embrace that shit, to the point that it drives you to, to dig deeper into what you are. We have to go back to saying, well, what are we? We are African. Brother E said it in the beginning. We are African, but when he, he, he talked about that and when Syke talked about that from a prison standpoint, when you say African, the average person thinks about somebody directly on the continent, and we don't even think of ourselves as being that here in the United States. So it's literally like you're talking about a whole existence of people that is outside of yourself. And as long as we identify with African as being outside of ourselves, then there's no interconnection that we have that we can pull from, which will give us the strength. And so we have to go back to, going back to where I said great again, we have to go back to our true selves. We have to go back to knowing what we are and defining that. Within the Panther Party, we say define, develop, and then defend. 
what is in the best interest of our people. So in saying that, let, let us define who we are. Let us know that we're African. Let us connect with the fact that we are African and all of the semblance of what that means in terms of us being in control of our destiny, us being self-determined as a people, as we say within the People's Black Panther Party. And I want to also reference the fact that Chairman Yanga says all of the time on, on, on when he goes off in-house programs, he often says all of the time that black people have to go back to the concept or identify with the concept of accountable spending going into that whole scenario. We have to first identify with accountable spending. And in, in first identifying with accountable spending, what that means is that we set ourselves up for the mind frame to where now we can be uh, geared toward dealing with communalism, like he says, geared toward the concept of actually creating an economic structure that we can benefit from. But in, until we first deal with a certain level of individual accountable spending, which goes into what we value, not until we do that first, can we go to the next step? Because if we try to skip the step, just like how we, we just kind of discussed earlier, if we skip the step, then we, what we haven't done first and foremost is trained ourselves to, be, to move away from being a consumer. So we have to move away from consumption and get into the concept of production. That goes back into when he was talking about you can skip the path of political education classes from the standpoint of survival. Yes, you can. But if we're going to move beyond the concept of survival into our living programs as Panthers, because remember the survival programs had to do with giving the people what they need so that they would have the time and the essence and the right mentality to want to study, to want to be greater, to be able to visually see how we can move toward empowerment. So the idea there is to transition from survival, to transition from the roach, to transition from the nigger. As in the book go, that, that goes into a called niggas, nigger, From Niggas to Gods. So we have to think about this from the solution standpoint of moving in that direction. And I like to end the show with that. Anything else, even before we get into the, the uh Fall Africa. <laughs> no, sir. You say All right, go ahead. All African Americans are slaves. All African Americans are slaves. African Americans slaves. Slave, slave, slave. No one had to convince them freedom still was not there. Except for a few of them, of course, who've gotten to hang out in the house. Freedom still was not there. Pressure was to get away from the conditions of the plantation, and that was the definition of freedom. If we can just get away from this mean cracker, freedom still was not there. So the concept of liberation was 
migration from this knee cracker. Migrate from the plantation in Virginia and Carolina and Georgia and Mississippi and Kentucky. And let me get to the free land up north or to Canada up north. Just get out of this physical situation. So the concept of freedom was a very simple one. That to move from the physical restraint to a place where you have relative ability to move about. So it become a little less physical. Freedom still was not there. After the period of slavery, freedom still was the not there. The concept of freedom became slightly different. A little less tangible. It became one of now that the chains are off, now that the fences are removed, now that the dogs are no longer put on us, now that you no longer have a right to deprive me of the ability to move, then it became clear that even though those things were gone, freedom still was not there. So it became a little less tangible. Freedom still was not there. A little less tangible. Even though you couldn't vote and even though you couldn't walk on the same side of the street and even though you had to drink out of a special fountain and even though your children had to go to special schools and you had to live in special areas, the idea though is that somehow it was still less tangible. It was less clear. It was more abstract. But people knew something still was wrong. So they said, freedom means let me participate. Freedom still was not there. So they said, thought not there. Now that the chains are gone, let, let me do some of what you do. Freedom still let was not there. Go where you go. Eat where you go. Go to the bathroom where you go to the bathroom. Let me live where you live and let my children go where yours go. And our concept of freedom then became one of participation. Less tangible. Freedom still was not there. Let me do some of what you do. 